You're listening to the Spice Larder podcast, a monthly conversation featuring local producers, chefs, bakers, historians, spice experts, and more. I'm your host, Julia Roberts, and I'll be inviting guests to join me at Market Drayson's very own Jules Brewery, where we'll be discussing everything from gingerbread and port to food trends and social history. Subscribe to the Spice Larder podcast via the Ginger and Spice Festival media channels and receive our regular updates and alerts. In this first episode of the Spice Larder, I caught up with local market Drayton chef of Roots and Wings, Rob Gibson, at the local Jules Brewery to talk about their guest tech beer, Project Plant Eater, and also Rob's views on Veganuary. So we thought we'd just catch up with you a little bit about January and the vegan campaign that was Veganuary. We're here with um, an amazing vegan beer in the pub that Jules have brewed especially for Veganuary. We're obviously into February now and this beer won't be on sale for many more days. It's called Project Plant Eater and we just wanted to get a little bit of your feedback about what you think. So should we take a sip? Yeah, I'll have a go. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I mean, as far as all of the Jules' ales are um, are always fantastic. And again, that's no exception. It's tasty. I'd be more than happy with that. And I think the the fact that it's vegan is irrelevant because it tastes just like a good ale. I'll yeah. never go, actually. I believe that it's got spicy notes as well. It's been brewed in a small batch just for the month. But apparently it's been a real success and very popular. I'd like to see it come back, actually. That would be a very refreshing beer. Summertime It's really hoppy. It's light. It's not like a dark ale. Describing it now, it's probably closer to a like a blonde, I'd say. What do you think it would go with food-wise? What would you pair that with? That. Let me have another go. <laughs> Rob's swigging it back again. A big old bowl of spicy chicken wings that would go with. <laughs> As a chef, have you ever prepared much vegan food? Yeah, I've got quite a few vegan clients. My sister's actually vegan. She's educated me a lot on sort of the, some of the um, the methods that they use to try and incorporate flavour into where you necessarily wouldn't with the absence of meat. So I use a lot of things like soy sauce, marmite, and it just brings that sort of meatiness without the meatiness. Do you do many of your private dining evenings with a vegan twist or do you have any vegan I've, I've done one, yeah. I did a vegan pop-up. It was probably about a year, a year ago to date. I did one in Telford and uh, yeah, we had some, some really good feedback from that. It's something that I'd like to give another go. Obviously, Veganuary is just been and gone if we can try and push a bit more veganism throughout the year why not there is a big movement and people are looking for it obviously not everybody wants or needs vegan food but for those that do it's really fantastic to see new products like project plant eater at julesbury coming out and so people have more choice as a meat eater myself i'm never going to be vegan but i do think it's very important that we're a lot more conscious of what we're eating for example, I was walking around the supermarket the other day and I saw a chicken was £3.10. Now, there's something seriously wrong when you can buy a chicken for as cheap as £3.10. I believe when my dad, you know, he used to speak of how they used to eat and they'd look forward to a bit of meat at the end of the week, say. Now we're just taking it for granted. We're eating it with every meal and obviously the producers can't keep up, which is why you have such appalling conditions for some of the livestock. So if we were all just a bit more conscious and cut down what we ate, perhaps even it's up to the producers maybe to push the price slightly. You know, if meat was more expensive, perhaps we'd be more inclined to 
reduce the amount that we're eating. And if everyone just just makes a little effort to eat a little less meat, maybe that would help. And actually it ties in really nice to um, Ginger and Spice Festival, which actually takes place during British Food Fortnight. Britain has always had really high standards of welfare with animals, but you're right. Still, we do have these chickens and meat that is really, really cheap and it is clearly you know, intensively farmed and... I'm sure, you know, as a nation, we can do a bit better. Yeah, definitely. So what's coming up for you, Rob? Have you got any pop-ups, anything that people can book on to over the next few weeks or months? The uh, the next few pop-ups I've got are actually sold out already. Ooh, well <laughs> um, done. But I will be looking at introducing a few more. We're actually partnering with Jules. Um, we're doing a pop-up here at the Red Lion uh, in March, which was a sellout in about three days. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, it's, it's my busiest one yet. Um, and... And have you decided which beer you're going to be serving with the meal yet? I think I'm leaving that in the capable hand of the brewers. Um, I'm I'm introducing some of the beer into the menu. So I've got a lovely stout and banana bread as the dessert, which would be really nice. Beer rarebit to go with some air-dried beef. So yeah, just trying to incorporate some of their products into mine. Well, Rob, it's been absolutely fantastic talking to you. I'm delighted that we've uh, sampled this amazing vegan beer at Jules. Their seasonal ales change every month. So we'll be back next uh, month with a different ale and different tasting notes. Thank you, Rob. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Spice Larder podcast and we are just about to catch up with Tracy Edwards of the Fields Kitchen, the farm shop on the high street, to find out all about her vision for reinventing the high street and supporting local producers. The Fields Kitchen uh, has actually just celebrated its second birthday of opening and the vision was really to put local produce back on the high street. That was our sort of aim really and obviously the building itself has a lot of historical um, connections to the Billington gingerbread but it's it's a beautiful old building really that kind of called out to be a food shop and I guess I'd got sort of visions of as a child in Market Drayton growing up and a very busy high street and so we wanted to kind of bring that back to Market Drayton. So in a nutshell we've basically got a, a small farm just outside Market Drayton Uh, where we rear our own Aberdeen Angus beef. So the point of the shop really is we supply our own beef in the shop, we make our own pies, we make steak and ale pies. And then the other side of it is we're selling local produce. We have a beautiful dresser when you walk in the shop and it's all filled with local produce like the Billington gingerbread and local honey and local jams. So it really is, it it really is trying to promote local produce back on the high street with good old-fashioned customer service. That's fantastic. And as a customer, I know that your customer service is absolutely excellent. Thank you. And even more of your customers think so because you've just been nominated for an award. Yes, we have. We've just found out that we've made it through to the Midlands Regional Final for the Countryside Alliance Award, the category being local food and drink. And what is really, really satisfying is the fact that the award came about because people nominated you. Kind of gives you a boost and you think maybe what you're doing is is what people want really so uh, so yeah we're very excited to have even got to this stage there was I think nationally over 17,000 nominations and we're now down to one of the 128 finalists across the country so we're absolutely thrilled to bits. And when are the uh, award ceremony or the results do you know? Yeah the 24th of May so uh, over the next few months the judges will will come out there's ourselves and there's four other 
farm shops across the Midlands that we're up against and basically we'll know the 24th of May whether we've made it through to the House of Parliament because that's where Ooh, the, the grand final is but uh, like I say considering we've only been trading now for two years to have even got this far it's fabulous and I, I appreciate that the Countryside Alliance you know they, they do like to promote small rural businesses and, and obviously Market Drayton is a rural town is uh, an ideal example of what um, businesses are trying to promote really. Fantastic and what do you tend to find that your customers are looking for you know does that determine and dictate what you're selling in the shop do you get requests or do you choose yourself and pick the products that are from the local area? It's kind of interesting really because when we first started out I had these target markets and you think you're going to make this but I realized that we're on a very steep learning curve and you kind of have to learn that you go with what's demanded really. We have a core group of people who really appreciate good home cooking. Okay, so you do um, pre-cooked sort of meals that yep. you buy? What kind of thing? Well, the steak and all pies, chicken Ooh. and leek pies, lasagnas, And with, that's pies. with your beef, is it, Tracy? And that's with our own beef, Amazing. Yep. And then we use free-range chicken as well that we source locally. So yeah, we're kind of guided by what the customers want, really. And then the other thing is on the dresser, we have all this local produce, for example, the Billington gingerbread. And people come if they're looking for gifts for people if they want you know like over Christmas time people wanted to give local Shropshire produce. So something a little bit more special from from the area. One of the reasons I invited you to take part in the podcast as well as to hear the amazing story about the Fields Kitchen is you do have a special product that you sell there that is very much connected to the building and today we are talking all about that special product which is the Billington gingerbread. That's correct. So it's been made in the town since 1817. We think it possibly it could have been made or around a little bit before that, but the sort of established date is 1817. It's stocked in your shop. You, I think you sell a lot of it, Tracy, and it was first made there, I believe. It was, yes. There's actually a, a plaque on, um, on the outside of the shop, and I think the plaque... It, came about through the Market Drayton Civic Society, recognising the historical importance of quite a few buildings within the town. And obviously this plaque states, you know, what you've just said about the gingerbread being made actually in the premises that we're in now. So when we took over the premises, we actually kind of gutted the ground floor and it was really interesting revealing a lot of the historical features of the building. The, The building is actually listed. And so, for example, there's these two beautiful pillars when we took over the building that were clad. So we've obviously revealed all that. There's a beautiful arch windows at the front of the building that actually were on some of the photographs, we think probably dating back to, you can probably help me here a bit, Julia, the ones that were used on the pictures of the gingerbread. I think that possibly was a Victorian era. A Victorian era. And uh, you, you saw these beautiful arch windows that the proprietor standing outside of the shop and we've revealed all those again. They've been boarded in for many years. We revealed old fireplaces. So we've kind of wanted to take the building back to as much as we could of how it looked years ago, really. Obviously, the fact that we're stocking the Billington gingerbread and that it was made in the, in the basement of the shop is a real good talking point when people come into the shop, really. Absolutely, we find yeah. people come from, for miles wow. in search of... For the, for the gingerbread, that's the gingerbread. amazing. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And is there still an oven or anything down in the basement? Could you see any remains of sort of 
how Mr Thomas used to bake? No, if in the cellar, the, you can still see where the fireplace was, but there's no the ovens aren't there. No, it's all been taken out. Yeah. Well, how fascinating, and, and also how amazing that you've brought back this heritage product to the place where it was first really made in the town, and we're now selling it there. That is really, really exciting for Market Drayton. So thank you, Tracy, for that. No, you're welcome. It's, um, yeah, as somebody came in only in the, in the shop last week and was saying how they previously seen one of the previous bakers of the gingerbread and they said how funny it is it's back in the in the shop they said the gingerbread had come home which I thought was a very sweet story to tell really yes uh, to the home of gingerbread that's wonderful thank you very much indeed last but by no means least we bring you an exclusive interview with the previous bakers and current owner of Billington's gingerbread Mr John Hayward Hughes and Mr Terry McCarthy we're going to really talk about the gingerbread, Market Drayton being the home of gingerbread. Mr Hayward Hughes, you started baking it when exactly? My father started baking the Billington's gingerbread in 1937. I myself took over in 1964 when my father passed away. And then we made it until I retired and passed it on to Teddy. And yeah. so the recipe was passed down from your father to you, yeah. and the previous baker who'd been baking it before your father did, who was that? Billington. That was the Billington, so it came straight father, from Billington's. My father purchased the recipe off Stephen Billington, and I can remember I was only seven then, going with him to Diganway in North Wales to have this deal as regards the gingerbread and I was sent out into the garden. And how many other people were baking gingerbread in the town at this time? Well, Griffiths were baking gingerbread, weren't they? Joe Masters at Longford, Mm -hmm. Uh, Bowen Cox. Where did you actually bake it then? Where was your premises? Where were you baking it? Chesbordine. Magpie was an agent and surprising where it went to. All the tourist outlets the tourist offices right the way down to Gloucester. Wow. At Shrewsbury, Ludlow, Church, Stratton, right the way down to Gloucester was that they had uh, the gingerbread every season through the season. So it was very popular. Yeah. And can you remember um, at its height how many packs a week you were making? Can't really remember now. No, but I'm sure. How many packs did we get out of a batch? Terry. You've got to remember the bread was our main, was our main basic thing. And it had to be done when you've got time, when you're sort of finished in the morning uh, and you, you're not trying to knock some gingerbread off. You try to put it in when you've yeah. been baking bread, it'd be far too hot. Oh, yeah. So we'd have to yeah. wait till the oven was, because was, yeah. um, when John and I used to eat, it was the old uh, fashioned I'm oven, the heat was on the bottom on the base of the oven. Oh, true. And wow. I think the most we ever could do in one go, and I took was I think thirteen trays. I used to do it with my um, with my son. Well, we used to have to run fourteen trays in the morning. Yeah, that yeah. was normal. Yeah. And then if we got a big order, we put through someone on Saturday yeah. when we first, and we had it all day Sundays many a time. Yeah. yeah. After you were baking it, you obviously decided to sell the gingerbread yeah. to Mr. McCarthy. And how did that come about? John, John was going to retire, weren't you? Yeah, when yeah. I retired in '95. Yeah. 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 I approached Terry, or Terry approached me. I, I can't remember. Can't, I think this was. A big, yeah. I think Meg Pybus was probably the go-between. The go-between. But yeah. But when I think Meg approached us, then John was going to retire. I think we we met up. We went over and uh, and, and initially we we agreed on. Yeah. On a sort of yeah. price, and and I went over for ooh, two or three times with my son. John showed us how we how we how he was turning mm-hmm. it out, 
and uh, you know it carried on from mm. there and a few it misses and uh, <laughs> <laughs> because John would bear this out actually you couldn't sort of set the oven at a certain temperature they didn't they didn't work like that oh, no. you know it was a bit it, it didn't miss actually but you do it and same as some the gingerbread some used to come out with a bit dark on the bottom or mm. you know one mm. end of the tray would be a bit darker than the other or the top would singe mm. a bit but that was all part of it of, of the gingerbread then the difference between the gingerbread today mm. which is um now manufactured under license mm. to um image on food mm. which is in your day gentlemen it was being handmade wasn't it it was all handmade yes yeah. definitely that yeah. well. and terry tell us a little bit about the machine you were using to do this it was an old biscuit machine, wasn't it? it? Yeah, a biscuit machine. Gee. It was a, a metal box yeah. about um, 18 inches long. Yeah. There was four nozzles at the end with a star nozzle. Yeah. You pull the, the plunger out, yeah. put the gingerbread mixture in it, shut the lid and turn and the handle. The handle. And then you add a table with a with trolley on it. Yeah. And you put the tray on and you drop the gingerbread and move the... Move the tray while somebody's turning the handle and you just stop and rolls a four you just fed it out onto yeah. it yeah. and of course that's how it wasn't quite all the spot yeah. on in a line yeah. you know you'd wobble a bit sometimes yeah. and, yeah. and this is why it's got these ridges on the yeah, they were, they were, yeah that was a start and Terry at its height with you how much how much gingerbread were you making a to, week to be quite honest we were turning out as much as we possibly could yes. but there again yeah. we were limited by to be limited by time of actually. course yeah. and I, I suppose that's the problem with it being handmade is there's only so much one can yeah. do yeah it doesn't matter how, how many of you there is or anything yeah. you can only go as quick as anybody can yeah. wind that yeah. wind, wind the handle on that machine yeah. and put it out and then you've got to bake it off and then of course it's got to be cut yeah. the, yeah. was using the same cutter yeah. across the tray yeah. did you and follow it, the same method then yeah, exactly yeah. the same <laughs> but the machine was actually made at the foundry wasn't it in, in market Drayton. oh wow yeah. that's uh, great well, to the, know. Pr the machine prior to that machine mm, yeah. was a, a, a barrel lifted upright and they rammed the rammed it down it just, into it yeah and, just and put, it, up, put it against the shoulder and Pushed, pushed it through, pushed yeah. it out one at a time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Well, it, very, it got really mechanised when we went onto a, an handle. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing now it's been manufactured yeah. in a factory. factory, still, a factory. In, still in market drain, though, as we know. Still in market drain, yeah. yeah. But it's, in, you yeah. Know, it's a completely... You know, we'd reached a stage, John, both John and I, there was only a limit we could actually turn out. Sure. We, we decided yeah. we had to move on if we wanted to... Uh, you know, for it to really move forward. Oh. I retired, my, my son did it for a short uh, uh, while, oh. but it was, uh, if we really needed to oh. move on with the production, we had to go sort of automated. Yes. And that's when uh, Tim sort of... Yeah, yeah. Tim Hopcroft yeah. is now the current yeah. baker, yeah. And, and they are um, producing a lot of gingerbread, and I believe that it's now sold all over the United Kingdom. It's yeah. even in the Hebrides and mm. the Channel Islands. Yeah. It's yeah. surprising yeah. to get letters yeah. from you know, all over the country. Yeah. People would actually write to us and yeah. actually want just a couple of boxes yeah. sent to them. We've, yeah. we've still got them. John's the same, but we've yeah. retained a lot of the letters. That's yeah. amazing. I've got, got, got a yeah. now of letters from different parts of the country. Country, yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic. That's it is. Yeah. The biggest, um, I think we probably got in, was with Fortman and Masons. Oh. We yeah. got on their buyer, who came from the, the north, and uh, he was visiting relation here, and he happened to pick a box up, mm. and he approached. And it was a, it was good. We supplied them for a few months actually, but we, we, wow. we couldn't 
we couldn't keep up with what they wanted. So Fortnum and Masons, if you're listening to this, brilliant new gingerbread product for you. <laughs> but going back to the shop, mm. my father was apprenticed to Billington's. Was he? Yes, and the apprentice boys lived upstairs. Oh, did they? Yes, and they could get out through the windows into the churchyard. Yes. Yeah. 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 Ah. yeah. yeah. And he started there with Billington's when he was fourteen. Wow. And he stopped there till it was First World War, and then he went in the First World War, came back, and then the bakery at Chesterfield was up for sale, and uh, he started that in 1923. And uh -huh. Billington's had the shop on the corner where Minchalockets as well. It was now all known as the Gingerbread Cafe, I believe. And when Minchalockets? Yes, the yeah, opticians. The, yeah. 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 The opticians, yeah. Over there, yeah. yeah. They had that shop as well. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So they had the cafe and the shop. So they yeah. were obviously they did very well and yeah. the Gingerbread, yeah. you know, did them proud by the looks yeah. of it. So. And I if it I remember right, when he bought the recipe and all the trays and what connected with the gingerbread, it came from downstairs out the bakehouse then, in that time. Right, in yeah. the cellar, yeah. came from out the cellar. Yeah. 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 Because the cellar actually, because the slope, if you know where the shop is, the, the road slopes down, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So at the back of the shop, you can stand up in the cellar, yeah. Yeah. but as you get further up towards the centre, yeah. you can only be about three foot tall, <laughs> yeah. because you can't yeah. physically stand, yeah. stand well, up in the cellar yeah. there. Yeah. No. yeah, but I mean, as Terry said, it was on his sideline with us, uh, gingerbread because I got four vans on the road delivering bread besides mm -hmm. and we were got, did groceries and provisions and all the rest of it yeah. yeah so you must be really happy both of you to see the gingerbread still going oh, still yes, still yeah. Yeah. and for sale in the fields kitchen now one of the marketing campaigns for the gingerbread I believe in the past mm -hmm. was the fact that historically apparently the ladies of the town used to come in on market day and sit in this gingerbread cafe buy the gingerbread and a glass of port and dunk their gingerbread into oh. port. How mm. fascinating is that? Mm, that's correct. Well, that's yeah. in, uh, Meg Pipes has got that in her book, the but under, under the Under the Buttercross book. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll yeah. definitely have to chat about that. And it was Miss Bradley from Woods Eves, the one so, she's talking about. Why don't, we, why don't we try it today? We've got a glass of port here, we've got some gingerbread, I'll open some. Let's all have a dunk, and for those that haven't, see what we think. So, mm, here it is. I'm going to try a glass of port and a little dunk. It so doesn't have to be port all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we've also got some of this Shropshire hop, yeah, and yeah. I thought, let's try, try a bit of a dunk in that. To be honest, it, 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 does, it does work well with, with any spirit, actually, mm. especially rum or... Try it yeah. with a drop of scotch. Yeah, it does, actually. Would you like yeah. to try that, Mr Hayward? Yeah. Yeah. It's delicious. It's sort of really the way of describing it once it's dunked in the port is it's like Christmas. It's like a taste of Christmas yeah. for me. Yeah. It really brings out the ginger to flavour, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the first thing you actually taste yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. and i'm going to try it after we've done the port dunking i think we should try it dunked in the ale and see how that goes as well this shropshire hop is described as a golden ale with a good depth of malt character uh, and it's dominated by an english blend um, and american and new zealand hops apparently and it creates a crescendo of satisfying bitterness, it says here, underpinned by pleasing floral notes. So do we think that the gingerbread will go with that? Let's have a dunk. Just dunking my biscuit here into the ale. I've never done this before. No, I've never done this before. <laughs> I might have done it with tea. Yeah, I've done it with yeah. tea, but not with ale. <laughs> Let's give it a go. Give it a try. Mm, actually, not too bad. What do you think, Tracy? Hmm. You don't quite 
get the depth of flavour that port gives it. No, you don't. But still, no. it's all right. It's okay. okay. Yeah. I'd probably prefer the L on its own. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd go with that one as well, actually. Yeah, uh, probably is. <laughs> yes. So, and Mr. Hayward Hughes, what do you think of your um, gingerbread dunked in Shropshire? Oh, Not the same. He's shaking his head. But Not I think he liked it dunked in the port. Is that right? Or a drop of whiskey. Now, actually, it does have a spirit within the biscuit, doesn't it? Which is in the ingredient list. Yeah, it's rum. 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 It's rum. Yeah. Mm. It's difficult. Can you taste the rum in the biscuit, do you think? If you miss it out. Should be. You can tell if it's missed yeah, it out. If it's been missed out. How would you describe the taste of, of the rum? Because it's difficult to know. I'm not an expert baker like yeah. yourselves. So. As long as it's dark rum, demerara rum, you, yeah. you're no good at Jamaican lemon rum, isn't it? No, yeah, it's got to be dark. The light rum, it's got to be yeah, dark It's got to be the dark rum, yeah. Mm. <coughs> Interesting. So. Yeah, but it's, it's quite noticeable. You can know that it's not there. It's a bit hard to dis- describe what he does taste like, but if you miss it out... It's not quite It's blend. not quite there. Being part of this history, gentlemen, and now Tracy owning the Fields Kitchen shop, mm. um, Market Drain is known as the home of gingerbread, mm. and it's marketed as that. Mm. But it seems to me that there's a little bit of confusion in the town mm. as to why it's the home of gingerbread. Mm. And I'm of the belief that the reason it's the home of gingerbread is because of this amazing heritage biscuit, Billington's yeah. gingerbread, that's been made since 1817. Yeah, yeah. It's been, yeah, it's been, it's been manufactured by one person or the other right the way through. That is the one thing, it's the long, longest, like you were saying, the longest produced gingerbread anywhere in the country. That's correct. It yeah. has got yeah. the yeah. Um, the oldest, well, we, we believe it's the oldest brand that's been in continual yeah. production yeah. since 1817. Yeah. And that is quite fantastic for Market Drayton. Yeah, it is, especially it's a gingerbread biscuit and not a gingerbread man. Absolutely. As a lot of people tend to tend to, to think. get them mixed up. They, get, they do get them mixed up. Yeah. They're talking of gingerbread. They, everybody, you know, thinks of a man. <laughs> but it's actually this gorgeous, yeah. um, these gorgeous fingers of, of gingerbread with a secret spicy recipe. That's yeah, that's correct. Well, yes. I've got a feeling I've seen something or I've been told something that there was a person before the Thomases making Billington's gingerbread. Was it a Roland was it Late a, Ward? Somebody named Emma Larwood, Lee Wood, Larwood. A Late Ward, Ro- Roland Late Ward? I think I've seen, heard something, somebody's told me something about it. Yeah, I've heard that as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think there is definitely, um, you know, rumour yeah. that the, it was made before, but we don't have any actual proof. No, mm. that's true, but I can't think where mm. it, I got hold of it. Yeah. Yeah. It but is a real, it's a real talking point yeah. for Market Drayton, yeah. the Billington Gingerbread, and I think we really, yeah. should, we really should be promoting our local produce more and more. Yeah. And, I, and I think people are very, very concerned nowadays about where their food comes from, yeah. and yeah. They, they really want... Yeah. You know the, the provenance behind it don't they really and with the Billington gingerbread I think because it has been around for such a long time now people sort of resonate with food yeah. like we had somebody just before Christmas she rang up to London her family had moved to London and she said could you possibly send me half a dozen boxes of gingerbread her family originally from Market Drayton and she said and it was always my mother's job to supply the gingerbread the Billington gingerbread at Christmas and she said her mother had since passed away, but she wanted to continue that tradition. And I just thought, what a lovely, lovely story yeah. that people, that the Billington Gingerbread had such a, yeah. a connection with Market Drayton and where her family had come from, that she wanted to continue. And it's quite a unique product as well. Yeah. You don't see 
that sort of type of biscuit. Mm -hmm. um, Not at all. And I think it's quite unique. And I think they could make a lot more of it in the town. Mm. The, people, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the powers that be. Yeah. If it was, uh, they could really push it, and, and you know, back to market rate, and that's you know, that's yeah. that's something. We get quite a few people who come in off um, off the canal in the summer. Yeah. You know, that they're they're really interested in the story and the history behind it, and when you can start and tell them about how it's made in the basement, and how the recipe is still a secret recipe that's yeah. used today, and that the people are generally interested in the history. Yeah. Um, of the of the gingerbread. What intrigues me particularly is the fact that the recipe was locked in the bank vaults, and the, all sorts of people fell out over the recipe. And it was it was like the underworld of Market Drayton fighting over gingerbread recipes. <laughs> Can you believe yeah. it? Is it still happening today, uh, though, gentlemen? Well, uh, to be honest, we we had people approach us actually when we were making it, and to say, "Oh, we used to make a gingerbread." I said, "Yeah, everybody used to make a gingerbread, yeah. but yeah. the difference is the one that we produce it now is the one that has been going since okay. 1817. Yeah. 18, 18, 18, exactly. Eighteen seventeen. Yeah. The original recipe was wrote on a piece of lined paper, just ordinary letter writing paper, mm, yeah. and uh, Billington signed it over a tuppenny stamp." Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. John passed yeah. that on to me, actually. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Have you just say so you had the original one? Well, I had the original one yeah. that John passed on to me, yes. Yeah. Oh with God. a stamp at the top, yeah. 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 Wow, how and lovely. It, and, it, and it was... Um, uh, somebody had overwritten it, hadn't it, actually? Um, an auctioneer, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, had uh, signed it as been present, sort of, yeah. Well, it's been fascinating. So let's just, we'll end the podcast on um, going around and saying sort of what you'd like to see next for Billington's and your favourite way of eating it. So John, what's, what would you, where would you like to see Billington's gingerbread and how do you love to eat it? Ducked in, in a spirit, in a, a rum or a, or a, or a whiskey. And that so Terry, really you like well it dunked in a spirit? Yeah, and I'd like, yeah, and I'd like to see the, the gingerbread try to be pushed more from the, you know, from, from the town. Know, tell you know let people know about it and because mm. uh, we you know it's uh, it's something we've got and nobody else has got mm. quite honestly well i have to confess i do like it dunked in port it <laughs> makes a very nice <laughs> end to a dinner party i like it dunked in amaretto Ooh. bizarrely but i love amaretto so cheers everybody thank you very much for coming on the yeah. podcast yeah. and thank you very much to jules brewery and their yeah. delicious shropshire hop yeah. and i'm gonna have another slurp yeah here's the village yeah. of gingerbread yeah. cheers to here's the, yes. the gingerbread You've been listening to The Spice Larder, a brand new podcast brought to you by the Ginger and Spice Festival. Subscribe to our channels to receive regular updates and alerts so you don't miss a show and help us build our Spice Larder community by sharing this podcast today. Thanks to everyone who took part in and helped produce this podcast. And if you don't know who we are, you can find out by going to the Ginger and Spice Festival website via gingerandspicefest.co.uk. We regularly post news, features and competitions to our blog. For example, our Spice of the Month feature, which also includes a competition giveaway. For a monthly free recipe, sign up to our e-bulletin via the website homepage or email us at gingerandspicefest at gmail.com. We hope to see you at this year's festival from the 23rd to the 27th of September. And don't forget to tune in to next month's edition of the Spice Larder podcast.